Hey y'all, welcome to The Light Angle. Today is March 27th, 2023, and my name is Jack. I hope y'all had a good weekend. I hope you all got outside to enjoy some of the wonderful weather, unless you're up north and what you have more snow. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, spring is here. And even if you don't feel it, even if it doesn't apply to you today, it will be shortly, I promise. So I got some good articles here uh, for this week to get you through it all. Um, some interesting stuff. I'm going to start with this first one because I think they're liars. Well, maybe not liars. I think, I don't know. It's from the Good News Network. Global happiness has been remarkably resilient over the past three years. World Happiness Report. Mm -hmm. In the 2023 World Happiness Report, a wonderful trend has emerged from the data. Despite a major war in Europe and all the government shutdowns and totalitarian policy measures in front of the largest pandemic in 100 years, happiness ratings have remained much the same across Europe and elsewhere. The report, which is a publication of the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network, uses the Gallup World Poll data from 150 nations looking at things like a sense of social support and positive feelings toward others to rank order countries on reported happiness. GDP, medical facilities, and freedom to make life choices are then compared with the perception of government corruption and sense of dystopia as factors to try and get a sense of why people in certain countries rank their happiness higher than others. Though these socioeconomic indicators do not contribute to overall score. CNN reports that an average from 2020 to 2022 shows that scores have remained concretely high in Europe. Even during these difficult years, positive emotions have remained twice as prevalent as negative ones and feelings of positive social support twice as strong as those of loneliness. John Hallowell, one of the report's authors, said in a news release. Benevolence to others, especially the helping of strangers, which went up dramatically in 21, stayed high in 2022. For the sixth year in a row, Finland occupies the top spot on the index, while Denmark retains its position, position in second. Israel moved up the most from ninth in 2022 to fourth in 2023. Neither Russia nor Ukraine dropped in the report. Hallowell suggested that now... That the pandemic is well and truly behind us, it could spur a general rise in happiness as people reevaluate that to which they are returning and a closer look at what it is they want out of life. Hmm. So, I this, I mean, it's great and all. I mean, I, you know, hope it's true, but the reality is, and they really cover it here in the last, you know, sentence Russia and Ukraine are both still up there in the report. Or, or not, maybe not up there, but they didn't drop. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I would think if, you know, a whole bunch of people I know, maybe related to, might be friends with, are dying in a war over land, um, maybe I wouldn't be so happy. I don't know. But apparently they're not, according to this report. So I call shenanigans. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. So way to, st way to start the podcast, Jack. All right, shenanigans on the first one. But I don't know. To each their own. Make your own decisions. Are you happy? Are you not? Do you find joy in your everyday life? No? Well, this teacher didn't either in our next article, but she figured out how to get the little 
the little humans in line acting right. So teacher goes viral for sharing her third graders hilarious tattletale form responses, <laughs> making fart noises. Oh, it's it's so mature. Here we go. An elementary school teacher who shares her young students' daily grievances is going viral after compiling the hilarious tales that land her in Tattlebox each day. Kids are going to tell you every little thing that's going on. Jillian McGee, 30, a third grade teacher in D Washington, D.C., told Fox News. They would interrupt me mid-sentence in the middle of class with very random tattles on other students. McGee who has been teaching for seven years, said when students would alert her to the fact that someone bumped into me on purpose or didn't mind her business, she needed a way to keep them on track and while she returned to daily lessons. I eventually started telling them to just write it down on sticky notes and put it on my desk. But then my desk would be full of sticky notes. Her solution was to create a tattle form, asking students to provide their name and some information about their tattle. Then she transformed an empty tissue box into a receptacle for everything that might be bothering her students. She sifts through them, through the complaints each day to learn what is on her students' minds. If there's anything that's super important, McGee said, I always address it and talk to them about it. Important tattles could be anything that involves inappropriate words, McGee said, or something that she knows is not true and the student may have been trying to get somebody else in trouble. I've never posted any of those, she said, but they are the ones that I'm like, I definitely have to talk to you about this. Chewing loudly and making fart noises, I don't need to talk about. <laughs> Conflict resolution has been one of the benefits of Tattlebox, McGee said. I think it's a really good form of positive communication, she said. It helps them with save solving conflicts. It has also helped reserve students find their voice, McGee said. If they have something they want to tell me, but they're too afraid to say it in person, they can write it down. I think it has added to their confidence, she said. They are learning that it's okay to speak up, that they can say something. Even if the tattle is a small annoyance and not in an emergency, writing it down can help each child. You don't even have to put your own name on it. Just throw it in the box just to get it off of your mind to make you feel better about it. McGee said she can often see a storyline amid the notes. If there's a series in the day where all the kids are saying the same thing, those are my favorite, McGee said. I think one of them was that there was a student farting, and I think I got four of those in one day. Or chewing loud, she added. I got three of them. When I put them in order, it just sounded like a story, and I was able to piece together what happened just based on what they said. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, teachers have reportedly been frustrated, and 55% said they plan to leave their profession earlier than planned according to a recent survey by the National Education Association. I think that those statistics are real, McGee said. There are very tough days that we have when you have little notes like this that can just make you kind of giggle over. It makes you feel better about what you're doing. McGee shared the tattle forms in a series of TikTok videos, which are garnering millions of views. McGee said she was shocked to learn her video went viral, but it also meant she was reaching other educators. This is gold for teachers because this is something that's happening in every classroom every day. It's very relatable to teachers to realize I'm not the only person who's experiencing this. I've seen a lot of comments from teachers saying that they are going to implement the title form in their classrooms too. So my hat goes off to teachers everywhere because gosh, what a challenging, difficult job that is. I mean, I mean, goodness, kids alone, 
even if they're yours, I mean, are challenging. But then having a whole classroom with them all day long, especially these little people, oh my goodness. So I think the title forms are great. Gives her something to laugh at and, you know, good stuff. And it also helps the kids form positive communication. It gives them a voice and it helps them solve conflicts. I like it a lot. Good for her. It's sad that, you know, we're reminded that, you know, teachers are leaving every single day. You know, it's kind of like law enforcement, same things happening and we're not getting good people to replace those that are disappearing from the workforce. And it's good. I'm happy that she found a resolution for these kids. It's making them better. And you know, this is kind of what good teachers are supposed to do, right? Problem solve, figure it out. So good for her. I remember growing up that uh, there was no such thing like this. So shut up and sit down and eat your porridge. Okay. <laughs> That's not really true, but kind of, you know, we <laughs> didn't really have a voice and, you know, it was, it was kind of shut up and do your work. And if you were a Jack, you didn't do very much and what you did do, it wasn't very good, but anywho, good for her. Good job, lady. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right. My next two articles uh, have to do with wrestlers. Weird, huh? But yeah, searching through the old interwebs this uh, past weekend and stuff brought me to two articles about two different wrestlers who both did amazing things. Um, it's the first one. This, this, I mean, first one, to me, they both blew my mind, all right? But the first one blew my mind because, well, actually, let me, let me recapture this. They both are amazing, but in two very different ways. Both of these people, both of these young men <clears throat> have courage that I don't think I would ever have. Um, and I always believe that there is a very thin line between courage and stupidity. Um, and both of these people, uh, you could debate and argue, uh, were walking that line like a tightrope. Let's go to this first one. <laughs> gonna, you're not going to believe this, folks. It's crazy. If I can find the title for it. College wrestler scores quadruple leg takedown against a grizzly bear to save a friend. Yeah, you read that right. A grizzly bear. And yeah, my laptop's freezing up. All right, let's get it together. It takes bravery to compete in college wrestling. And sophomore NJCAA wrestler Kendall Cummings needed every ounce of it when he decided he was not going to let a mama grizzly bear maul his friend to death. Last year, Cummings was out with his friends Brad Lowry, Gus Harrison, and Oren Jackson in the Wyoming woods looking for shed antlers from elk, moose, and mule deer, which along with being a fun way to pass time in the woods, can also earn a college kid a few hundred dollars for a big pair of antlers. The four buddies were out on the Bobcat Houlihan Trail, which sits on the outskirts of Yellowstone, when in the late afternoon they decided to split up to cover more ground and meet back together on a large rock at the top of the hill. Uh, rock, or Ryan, Ryan Hawkinsmith at ESPN, detailing what would become a gruesome encounter, wrote that Brady turned around to warn Kendall not to step in his fresh pile, or not to step in this fresh pile of bear scat when what was likely a female grizzly bear, which can weigh around 500 pounds, slammed into him. The impact from the bear knocked the young man over a dozen yards, and she continued to swat at him as he rolled, dribbling him like a basketball, Hawkinsmith wrote. 
Kendall was not about to let it happen, and after trying to use his voice to scare the bear away, he jumped on the back to distract the bear after she managed to pin Brady, his friend, up against a tree. Then Kendall ran as fast as he could. Grizzly bears can actually sprint over 30 miles an hour, and it wasn't even a few seconds before she had turned around and leapt on him, leapt on top of him instead. I can't even express how grateful I am for him, Brady told Cowboy State Daily. I don't know what I'm going to pay him back. I don't know. I owe him everything. Grizzly bear attacks are extremely rare. Eight in the last 150 years, with a risk rate of around 1 in 2.7 million. Hunters and others who work in the wilderness say the only way to survive an attack like this is to play dead, which is exactly what Kendall did as soon as he realized he could do nothing else. Kendall suffered horrific injuries, but Brady who had had the better of it, managed to escape the scene, call 911, and meet up with their other two friends who were unaware of what was happening. Eventually, the bear lost interest in the limp body of Kendall, who stumbled to his feet and back down the trail where he met up with Brady and the others. The two were eventually medically evacuated by helicopter. At a trauma center in Billings, Montana, surgeons stipped and reconstructed Kendall's face and head, which the bear had repeatedly hit. Brady was taken to a less equipped hospital in Powell, Wyoming, but was eventually transported to Billings at the same room as Kendall. Brady's father, Dallas, drove all the way from Utah. Oh, man. All the way from Utah to Billings to marvel at the 20 year old sophomore who was prepared to give all he could to rescue his son. You saved my life's, you saved my son's life, he told Kendall. I would have rather died than have gotten away and no one I could have helped, Kendall told him. 100 days after the attack, last January, Brady competed in an NJCAA wrestling meet, while Kendall, not yet medically cleared, to go back to the mat, cheered him on. With friends like these, am I right? Amazing. The dude wrestled a bear, and then <laughs> he, he took a beating from the bear, so I don't think, you know, I don't think he, he won that battle, but goodness, I, uh, I, I, that's, I would have a gun. That's, that's what I would do. I would be carrying a sidearm or firearm of some sort for an event like this. If I was walking around in woods like that. Wow. Crazy. So this other wrestler we got, we're going to talk about, he did something. He didn't wrestle a bear. He was wrestling people, but, uh, (laughs) what he did, uh, I would argue has more long-term concern for his uh wellness (laughs) let me read about this a pennsylvania state university wrestler is facing backlash for discussing his christian faith and calling muhammad a false prophet after winning an ncaa title on saturday as reported by cbn news 22 year old aaron brooks won his third consecutive individual ncaa title after defeating parker kekerson kekerson yeah of Northern Iowa in the 184-pound finals. During a post-match interview, Brooks expressed his faith in Jesus Christ, attributing the victory to God. It's everything. Christ's resurrection is everything, Brooks declared, not just his life, but his death and resurrection. You can only get that through him, the Holy Spirit only through him. No false prophets, no Muhammad, or no anyone else, only Jesus Christ himself. When asked where his power and finesse came from, Brooks credited the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, power, 
Holy Spirit power. It's everything, he said. That's where it's from. I'm blessed. God used me. He gave me this platform for this right here. It's all for his glory, he concluded. Brooks came under fire for his comments on Muhammad on social media with some likening it to bigotry. What a strange and disrespectful thing to say. What the pretty darn weird, not to mention offensive to Muslims. Also, can't believe they put the clip and posted it on Twitter. Journalist Ariel Hawani wrote on Twitter. After capturing his third title at the 2023 NCAA Wrestling Championships, Aaron Brooks used his ESPN interview to call Muhammad a false prophet and take a cheap shot at Muslims, wrote the MMA and UFC news outlet. Ah, these people. I've heard plenty of Christian pastors say this, but it's wild to see a Christian athlete trash Muslims during a post-match interview by calling Muhammad a false prophet. Hemant Meta also known as the friendly atheist, said. (laughs) The friendly atheist said that? I can't believe it. But have no fear. Evangelist Franklin Graham, however, commended Brooks for taking a stand for his Christian faith. Aaron Brooks won his third consecutive NCAA title this past weekend. And as he has done throughout his stellar career, he gave the glory to, to God. Graham tweeted, Thank you, Aaron, for being unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. CatholicVotes.org also lauded Brooks writing, Amazing response. Why did NCAA Wrestling delete this clip? Which they did. The NCAA came under fire for posting and then deleting the clip of the post-match interview. Neither the NCAA nor Brooks have responded to the backlash. <laughs> That's pretty good stuff. And so back to my original comment, why I think this guy has something to worry about. So if you don't know, Muslims, you know, they, uh, they don't like it when you talk about, you know, Muhammad and stuff like that. And they get pretty offended and they've been known to, uh, do some pretty crazy things. Um, not, not saying Christians haven't, um, in the past, you know, a couple thousand years, but, um, most recently, uh, Muslims, have been noted to harming folks who have drawn pictures or made negative comments about him. So I hope for, uh, you know, this young man, what's his name here? Aaron Brooks. Uh, I hope, you know, he's being mindful of his surroundings and, you know, is paying attention to, uh, where he is and what he's doing (laughs) because, uh, you know, I applaud him and I am proud of him and he is not wrong at all. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to be mindful of your situation. Be uh, be aware. So, good for him. That's awesome stuff. All right. My final article for the day. It's still Lent, y'all, if you didn't know. And it is actually, yesterday was the fifth Sunday of Lent. And the title of this is from Fox News. The lessons of Lazarus are cause for hope, says South Carolina faith leader. The faithful worldwide celebrate the fifth Sunday of Lent this weekend, yesterday, on March 26th. The story of the resuscitation of Lazarus, told in churches worldwide during the fifth Sunday of Lent, is a sign to die to oneself in order to live more fully in Christ, Jeffrey Kirby, a South Carolina uh, faith leader, said. The fifth Sunday of Lent is the start of what is traditionally known as Passiontide, said Kirby, the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian, 
land South Carolina. This is the intensified second part of Lent, he said, and recalls the seclusion of the Lord Jesus from his public ministry as he prepares for his passion. These final days of Lent, therefore, call believers to a somber preparation for the three-day observance of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The liturgical, liturgical, okay, you you know what I'm saying, season of Lent ends on Holy Thursday, the day that Jesus celebrated the Last Supper and instituted the sacraments of Holy Orders and the Eucharist. The three-day period of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday are known as the Paschal Tritum, Tritum. It is the shortest liturgical season. During Passion Tide, some churches opt to cover statues and other decorations and stop the use of bells. These traditions are enacted to help believers understand the somberness and severity of the Lord's forthcoming Passion. Statues and bells are brought back during Easter as part of the celebration of the Lord's resurrection from the dead. The gospel passage for the fifth Sunday of Lent in Roman Catholic churches is John 11, verses 1 through 45, the story of Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead. The gospel of John tells us that the Lord was told, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus, however, waited two days before going to see Lazarus, which confused the apostles. When Jesus arrived to see Lazarus, Lazarus had already died. It appeared that the Lord was mistaken when he said Lazarus's illness would not end in death. Jesus then spoke with Lazarus' sisters and called for the tomb to be opened. The people were shocked. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. The stench alone would have been overwhelming, let alone the offense of disturbing a corpse at peace. But the stone was moved and Jesus called for Lazarus to exit his tomb. To the total shock of everyone, the dead man was resuscitated and walked out of the tomb. He came forth covered in his burial garments. The event was earth-shattering. How could anyone raise the dead? The action was the Lord's final sign before his own resurrection. The event was a dress rehearsal for his own resurrection. Unlike Christ, who through his resurrection would live forever, Lazarus would die eventually. He was only resuscitated, which is why he brought his burial garments with him from the tomb. The Lord Jesus was resurrected. The gospel tells us later, when he was risen, that his burial garments were left in the tomb, since the Lord would die no more. Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead is a Lenten sign to all believers of what is to come after the Lord's passion and death. Eternal life awaits those who loved God. God. Death is not the end. It is not the conclusion to the story of our lives. The sign of Lazarus is a lesson and a cause for hope. It appoints us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death. It reveals eternal life to us and the glory that awaits all those who love God. So there you go, folks. But you didn't know that stuff. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself because I didn't know that. But the fifth Sunday, Sunday of Lent, the lessons of Lazarus. Oops, sorry, I'm banging stuff. Interesting stuff. Something to think about as you go throughout the week. You know, cause for hope. Eternal life. It awaits us. Let's look forward to it as I try to navigate these tabs on my laptop. All right, y'all. Wow. You're wondering what I'm doing here and why I'm trying to fumble through this podcast because my laptop's slow today. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for this new week and the opportunities to serve you and the people around us. 
as we see darkness around us in just about everything, you still provide the blessings of joy and happiness and allow us a break from the doom and gloom. I pray you will help each of us to be a blessing to those we come into contact this week. Even if that blessing is as small as a smile and some laughter, give us the courage and motivation to shine that light of Christ. It's in, the Je- it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. That's it for this week's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.